Thank you, Lord. You know, let's clap our hands and just give God the praise. You know, every opportunity we get to trade with Him is so invaluable. Amen, amen. So I had a dream. I want to start off with this dream. Saturday morning, early morning. I don't know how many of you heard about Naomi Osaka. She just became famous. She just won the U.S. Open uh, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. A Japanese-American girl, uh, I think 20 years old, and uh, she just beat Serena Williams, who was like a 24, 23 Grand Slam winner. But uh, huge. But this is, this is what happened in the morning. Around 5.36, uh, as I was about to rise, Naomi and her mom walked into a building like ours. I, I thought it was our city gate uh, foyer kind of area, but it was a church. They were coming to the church for prayer. And, uh, and, I, and I happened to walk across them and stopped, and they were, they were like, um, I knew why they were here. For some reason, I thought I knew why. But they, they, were, they came to the church so that they could get some prayer. And uh, I said, may I pray for you? And they said, yes. And they both were very humble. I can, I can uh, visualize this picture. And uh, they bowed their heads, and I prayed for them. And I said, Lord, I pray that this, this girl will win the U.S. Open this year. And, uh, you know, and uh, after I woke up, I again prayed. I said, God, I don't know why. You know, I was, I was surprised, Lord, why? But I just prayed for it, as the Lord told me. And to my surprise, um, or to no, no surprise, as, because the Lord clearly revealed it, she won the U.S. Open yesterday, even though there was a lot of controversy. It doesn't matter. The Lord had her already ordained as the winner. And she, she got the, uh, she's the first Japanese uh, girl to win a Grand Slam. Very humble girl. So I was like, Lord, what does this got to do with all what I'm going to preach? Right? And then the Lord said, everyone of us sitting here are priests and kings who are going to influence the society worldwide. We are so critical as priests and intercessors to the world that they literally have to depend upon us to get to the place they, where they need to get. So what I'm trying to say is we carry so much power, so much influence in the heaven realms that we are so critical to the functioning, the proper functioning of this world. So I realized, okay, you know what? The Lord was just reminding me that he has bestowed me upon me the priestly mantle to intercede, to help, to supplicate for those who need supplications. Amen? I had similar, um, actually my son had similar dreams about sports stars needing intercession, things like that. So we think they are all set. That's not the case. All these folk need a lot of prayer to, be, to, to maintain where they are today, to be in that um, status that they are in. So today, uh, so if you missed part one of Trading Floors, um, you know, it's not that because I preach, please get it, because I'm going to listen to it again, because several of the thoughts the Lord was just downloading through me that moment. Many things I hadn't, I was not prepared, but I was just a mouthpiece last week. So I'm going to listen in, and I'm going to get blessed as well as I listen to that again. So Trading Floors Part 1, uh, you can get it uh, via CD or podcast um, very, very soon. 
So today, the trading floor is part two. I want to talk about doing kingdom business in the order of Melchizedek. How many of you heard about Melchizedek? So most of you have heard. You know, I've heard of it two you know, years ago. I thought this was some complicated affair. When I heard the name itself, I was like, man, this is some Jewish Kabbalah uh, or some mystery. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue until, uh, you know, or, you know a, few, a few months or a few years back as I advanced in the Lord. He started to reveal to me what this is all about. Let me say a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray for your help. I pray that you would speak through me, O oh God. Angels of God, be charged over this place. We bind every distraction, every plan, and scheme of the enemy to keep people slumbered. I pray, Lord, that you will arise and that you would scatter all your enemies, that people be awakened to their full potential and be released as ambassadors for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. If you have a Bible, turn with me there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made a kingdom of priests, or he has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. So unto Jesus, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our errors, our sins, in his own blood. Why? What was the whole purpose of salvation, as you can see? So that we can be a kingdom of priests for God his Father. So God the Father has a great purpose. He needs, he requires priests, like you and me, on earth, for a certain purpose. And we're going to delve deep into that purpose. And now we give all the glory to God the Father for choosing us as kings and priests because we didn't do this on our own. It's a calling. It's an act of mercy of God. It's not because we were born in some great families or we have some great education. We are called to what we are supposed to do. It's purely an act of divine will and mercy. That's one thing I don't understand, Lord. Why me or why him or why her? It's God's choice. And we can just thank God for that. That's a privilege and honor that God has bestowed upon us. Thank you, Lord. And so we saw last week, I'm going to do a quick recap. So there are two trading floors. There are trading floors of God, and Satan has imitated a very similar trading floor. And uh, the purpose is very simple, that adoration, worship would come to these trading floors. Um, I want to get one thing straight, okay? In the trading floors, it's always good things that are brought forth. So it's things like worship, adoration, gifts. You're bringing your goods, you're bringing your gifts to a higher entity as a sign of your adoration, your worship. And as I mentioned last time, the enemy, due to the sin of Adam, had deviated man's gifts to his trading floors. I don't want to get into too many details because I, I, then I would spend a lot of time there. Please listen to CD number one or message one on that. So the enemy has now channeled mo most of man's devotion, adoration 
to his trading floors. So man has been just doing this now. I would say a good 90% of the whole world is still worshiping on the trading floors of Satan. The root cause being the consciousness of man is dead to sin. The Bible says he's dead in his sins. So meaning his conscience is not awakened yet. He doesn't know he is divine. He or she doesn't know he's divine. They just operate out of an inferior mentality. They operate out of fear. So in order to tackle through this fearful landscape, they would worship anything that they can get because they want to escape the snares of this life. So in India, from where I'm originally from, they serve 300,000 gods. Whew. Snake, elephant, uh, they make idols and shapes out of all things possible, I guess. And, but the problem is the, man, the, man, the people there are dead in their consciousness. They have no idea or they have no concept of who God is. So suddenly Ira comes and says, I think this is, our, this is a God. And suddenly all the blind people say, yes, let's worship God. And then they all build a temple around this bottle of water and they start worshiping him. And so this, this is not right. And Jesus, as we looked at last week, the, one of the main reasons Christ came is to get man out of this ungodly trading. Because God cannot do nothing to anybody, to any nation, until godly trading starts again. He can't do anything to societies or nations until godly trading starts again. Let me quickly go to, I don't know where is the slide. Okay, there it is, Judges 6. Let's go with me to Judges 6, please. I want to show you why this is so important, because... It's, you know, God operates through protocols. There is no um, overriding His heavenly protocols. So if you, this might be very familiar to you, Judges 6, 6 uh, verse th and 13. It says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. How many of us have gone through situations like this? We've tried many things. It's just desperate plea to God. Lord, I need to come out of this. This has been a cycle that has been going too long. But unfortunately, many of our prayers have not been answered yet. We are like, we are praying, we are giving. What's going on? The root cause is right here. Verse 13, then Gideon said to God, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this all happened to us? I've asked this question to God several times in the past until I learned trading. I asked, God, I've been, I'm born again, I'm baptized, why am I going through this? Why is, why is your hand not moving for me? And look at this, and Gideon asked, where are all God's miracles which our fathers told us about? I, rem I remember even arguing to God, Lord, it's all looking good in the scriptures that you did miracles. You crossed, uh, you had the people cross the Red Sea and all that. What good is it for me right now? So I used to have these questions. I used to shake my fists at heaven and I was asking what? The frustration was because I didn't know any concept of trading. I am frustrated, but I didn't know how to cut through this and get my answer down. Hallelujah. And uh, he, he continues his complaints. He says, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Israel was greatly impoverished, meaning they were so harassed, so oppressed. They were wondering, why is this happening to a nation like Israel? We are the nation of God. Why is this happening? And look at this now. Judges 6.25. The Lord said, the reason this is happening is because there is ungodly trading happening in Israel. Until the ungodly trading is shut off and godly trading is replaced, I can't do nothing. So let's look at this. It says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. So someone else, his, his dad had an altar going on, serving the devil on the side. So no surprise to God. He knows why Israel was going through what they're going through, because there was ungodly altars raised up already. In, the, in their families. He said, tear it down. Cut down the wooden image or idol that's beside it. And then build an altar to the Lord your God on, on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. He said, first tear down the ungodly altars in your nation, in your community, in your society, in your life. And then build an altar for me. How? In the proper arrangement. And take the second bull... And offer a born sacrifice with the wood of the image. It's amazing how God didn't say, you know, throw away that old idol. He said, bring that old idol, put it in the fire to raise a fire for my altar. I've seen how God repurposed. What you once used to serve, he will ch channel it back now and say, use it now to raise a godly altar. So the fundamental root cause of every issue that we Christians face is there is an ungodly altar in our life. As I mentioned last week, we have to audit and check what, what is it, where is it. Because God can't do nothing until some of those altars are torn down. We are not talking about a physical altar. In the new covenant, your, the altar is your heart. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. God wants undivided attention to him. That's why the first commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Jesus. Unfortunately, in America in general, I have not yet seen enough people inside even the church, leave the outside, inside the church with undivided Attention and devotion to God. Everybody's got side altars going on. And no wonder the church is so powerless. The church can't do nothing. Just like the Israelites of the old, the church is so harassed, impoverished. Cannot rule and reign in this life. Because you got other devotions also going on in your heart. Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's get back to uh, the trading floors. So Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. One of the main reasons Christ came is to restore godly trading. What happened to the Jerusalem temple when Jesus came? It was made a den of thieves. They made it a commercial place to sell their tapes and oils and flags and 
whatever they were selling doves god jesus was so so upset about it he took a whip and you know drove them out he said this is to restore my people back to godly trading this is a house of prayer for all nations this is not a den of thieves because the ultimate goal one of the main goals of christ coming back is to restore all people back to godly trading because there's no other way he can bless people bless nations and bring kingdom down here on earth there's no other way and here we see his plan deuteronomy 33 it says then the lord your god will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations all nations are a part of this plan because all nations belong to god none of them belong to the devil but the devil has been craftily having them worship him for a while now and so he says i'm going to do a restoration the great plan of restoration of all nations back to right trading kingdom business hallelujah and that god is going to do that through a worldwide awakening to his divine identity and inheritance so until men and women men and women are awakened to who truly they are they cannot do godly trading there is no proper worship there is no proper uh, business with god until you and i are awakened who was i telling this recently just because you come to church you're not awakened yet awakening is a different process where you fully operate in fullness of the holy ghost when you are fully convinced not only fully convinced that god work god will do a deep surgery in you that you will know that you are not ordinary you are divine and you are seated in the heavenly places in christ jesus but that's not a easy thing to transition to i'll tell you how to get get there but that awakening has to happen here right here in jerusalem and then go on to all the ends of the earth it's an awakening process this is not religion see you know traditional church has been so good at catching on to all this trivial stuff let's learn about the rapture let's learn about melchizedek and his genealogy listen as apostle paul said don't get into all these unnecessary stuff if your soul if your mind is not awakened to who you are studying all this is a waste of time studying about rapture when we or is there are some people fighting about when will the rapture happen who cares you are still dead in your minds you're still not awakened to who you are you're studying history and genealogy and all this stuff that doesn't add to anything to your soul so the goal is awakening awakening of the dead man to the resurrection power of Christ awakening of man to his divine potential to his the great power deposited in him to change his atmosphere to change nations societies communities through spoken word through his actions through the power that he carries he or she carries so a worldwide awakening is the goal of god so if somebody has what's the gospel 
it is not a historic presentation of the death and burial of Christ. It is about the great awakening that God wants to do to the whole world to bring his kingdom here on earth. He wants to awaken everybody. See, everybody sitting here, where you will be so convinced. It's called becoming one with God. You walk in divine consciousness, not sin consciousness. You're so aware of the righteousness and the Spirit of God in you. The plan of God in Habakkuk 2 verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Grand plan of God. If you're, so, if you're too short-sighted about evangelism, know that God's plan is worldwide salvation. It's not just South Haven or Memphis. For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And Isaiah 40 verse 5 says, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. That is an amen for sure, because he clearly emphatically says, the whole world will lift up proper worship one day. Whole world. Whether you're Thailand, Chinese, African, American, Indian, no matter what. There will be a time coming when we will worship him in the beauty of his holiness. That we will know with veils removed that we are his people. We are a holy and a righteous nation. All that sin consciousness and all the stuff that the enemy uh, injected into you would be removed. You will worship God in spirit and in truth. Knowing that God, I am yours and you are mine. Hallelujah. I am not my sin. I'm a righteous person. I'm made in the image of my God, and I worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. And that glory will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. Imagine all nations lifting up their holy hands to their maker and trampling that devil under their feet one day. The devil who had deceived the nations for so many years. And Joel 2, 2 verse 25 says, I will restore to you the years that the lo locust had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer. You know this. This is the different levels of demonic harassment and demonic wastage in our lives. When we don't do godly trading, we open doors for this kind of losses to happen. Financial losses, marital losses, loss to our health, attacks to our um, mind, body, children, canker worm, palmer worm, all sorts of losses and leakages happening in our life. Why? Because we, we, we didn't know any better. That's what it is, actually. We didn't know any better, and we were trading in the floors of the enemy for years. No one taught us what the right thing is. And, but now, as Dutch Sheets uh, said a few months ago, a new era is here now. A new era. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to spread so rapidly now. People are going to come out of their old ungodly trading. They'll put an end, and this will happen as uh, God said, I will restore to you the years that you lost. Because when right trading starts in your life, the blessings will start to flow again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Now, but restoration will not start, as I said, until people learn to trade in the kingdom floors. If I put some of you in New York Stock Exchange right now, how many of you know how to trade? Not many. Well, I don't know how to trade if I go there. I would have to see a, bro bro uh, a broker or a trader there to help me. It's just like that in the kingdom floors. Just, you cannot just simply trade there. You got to know protocol on how to trade and get your blessings back in. Hallelujah. So we had to learn to trade in the kingdom floors. And the reason being, God's purpose in getting his people trade uh, with him and learning this concept is so that you can reign in this life. You can rule over this life. So that you can walk as a victor. So that you can walk controlling life, not the life controlling you. Hallelujah. We looked at this already. I said we have to learn heavenly protocol to do kingdom trading. So for years, I was a good Christian. I became Christian 15 years ago in Portland, Oregon. That's where I came to the Lord. And I was a faithfully trading for sure. I, even though I didn't know the concept of trading. But I also had other leakages happening because I was not fully trading with God. And even if I was 75% trading with God, 25% ignorance happening in the other side... I still didn't, like I said, still didn't know. I still was harassed. I was still harassed a lot, still oppressed a lot of losses until God started to show me protocols and swiftly recover the lost grounds. It's called about recovery. Just because you are born again, baptized, doesn't make you immune from the attacks of the enemy, from the losses that he creates until you learn trading protocols. Hallelujah. If that is the case, most of the people won't have, the people in the church won't have the kind of losses and tragedies that's happening today. You need to be able to catch the bull by the horn this time. Once you learn what godly trading is, kingdom trading is, you're going to be in control. The enemy would be really under your feet. You will truly crush him under your feet, I'm just telling you. He will belong where he rightfully belongs. Where is that? Everybody say, under my feet. Under my feet. That's where he belongs. And he's been tricking the church because he, he wants you to come to church, play churchianity, but know nothing about trading. And plus, you know, on top of that, you can come do your religious mambo-jambos mambo and all these scriptures that you can quote, but, have, but it's not awakened. You're not awakened to your divine self. You're still religious. No, no point in that. For the devil, you're no threat. If you're religious, you are no threat. He, you are only a threat if you are awakened to your divine image and inheritance. If you know that you are a son, a daughter of God, that's when he is afraid of you. Number two, as I said, if I go to the New York Stock Exchange, I would I most likely have to meet up with a trader or a broker and then say, hey, I need to trade. I need to do some trading here. Even in the kingdom trading floors, God doesn't just allow any Tom, Dick, and Harry to come and do trading. Only authorized dealers or priests can trade on the kingdom floors. Hallelujah. So we see in the Old Testament, God put that on the tribe of, anybody? Levi. Tribe of Levi were the authorized dealers or authorized priests to do kingdom trading. 
But we see the Old Testament priesthood was erroneous. I mean, erroneous in the sense the priest still did not come to the knowledge or awake. They were not awakened to who they were either. They were having a slave mentality. Even they were afraid. They didn't go with the confidence to the throne of God. They were still working out of a faulty consciousness. You know, uh, when I have an iPhone that I need to repair, uh, there's aftermarket stores and then there's authorized dealers. You can only get a guarantee that it'll be fixed if you go to where? The authorized dealers. I can get the other guys for doing it for cheap, but there's no guarantee. The screen might not work in a couple of days, even after I spend $100. So there is a guarantee when you go to the authorized dealers, because they are authorized by the company called Apple to work on their products. So just giving a, a worldly example here. But only authorized priests can trade on the kingdom trading floors. So in church, you know, we all are believers, but God has done what? He has put the office, fivefold office in the church. There is apostles, there is prophets, teachers, evangelists, and who else? Who did I miss? Pastors. So there's a fivefold office even in the church. And it is God's calling, it is God's will on who he will assign apostolic authority, prophetic authority, prophetic mantle, pastoral mantle, all that. And we as a people of God need to recognize who is who. You don't need to be jealous of an apostle or jealous of a pastor. That is God's calling. Your goal is to honor the calling of God. Don't look at their appearance. Don't look at their financial background. If God has called Ira as a priest or a prophet, I need to honor him as a prophet. No politics here. I honor the call of God upon the man of God. You understand? So that's where we need to receive. Unfortunately, in the American church, we've been just looking at the outward appearances, the outward this, and you miss it, my friends. If the call of God is evident in a person's life, you honor the call of God. Because there's a blessing that is released through that individual if you honor. You can't violate the principle of honor. See, Apostle Paul went three years into Arabia. He had this direct revelation, more revelation, I think, than all the other 11 apostles. He could have gone and said, you know what, I don't need no Peter, I don't need no James. I'm just going to go start something in Jerusalem. That's how a lot of this stuff is happening here in America. You know, suddenly you know a few scriptures and you're going to cross over everybody and you're going to do your thing. But Paul didn't do that. What did Paul do? He obeyed the code of honor. He went and first saw Peter and the apostles. He took permission from them. He, he said, he, this is the case. The Lord appeared to me. Would you receive me? Court of honor. You don't violate that and try to do your own ministry. A lot of things are happening like this today. People are just having no honor for each other. See, there, if there is no proper godly alignment, you will never be effective in your assignment. I know it ain't easy to submit to somebody, but you got to bite the bullet. If you want to be successful, you got to remain under some authority figures that God has placed in your life. They might not go at your pace, but you got to bite the bullet and stay under that authority. 
You might be like, oh, it's time. I need to do this. I don't. No, no, no. Just wait. Just wait. That's godly patience. David was anointed a king, but he had to wait 15, I think 15 plus years before he was crowned as a king. He could have taken out Saul earlier. You know that? King Saul, while still was alive, David had several opportunities to take out Saul. But he didn't. He didn't because he obeyed the code of honor. He said, I'm now going to cross over and use the arm of my flesh to violate honor. When, God, when God's timing is here, I will be the king. Until then, I understand I have to go through tribulations, backbiting, slander, or the whole nine yards, but I'm going to remain in the will of God. David kept quiet. He said, I pour out my heart to God. He didn't kill Saul. He didn't. He had several opportunities, but he didn't. And he even, you can say there was rationale for David to take out Saul. He didn't. That's honor. So what I'm saying is, authorized priest, when I say authorized priest, there are authorized people, even among the group of believers, who have different offices. We need to honor that. I can't tell Clay and Ash, who gave you the apostolic right? Or I can't tell that sheets. I better keep quiet. You see what I'm saying? Not that I fear men, I fear God. It's God who has appointed those men, and I'm going to submit to their authority. I don't look at what Clay and Ash did 10 years ago, or someone else did. That's not my problem. It's all under the blood. I obey the voice of God. I honor the callings that God has put in the church. And when I sense the callings, I'm quick to align with them as well. Because without alignment to authorities over you, your assignment will never be effective. Your assignment even will never see light. I know several of us have said great callings. We have great potential. I know several people outside this church who has that, but they're still sitting in the cave because they don't want to answer to anybody, submit to anybody, nothing like that. Jesus. There's protocol if you want to be effective in the kingdom. There's protocol in the company I work at. I can't cross my chain of command and go directly to the CEO. Just can't. Yeah, unless they give me a permission. But there is always a protocol in the offices you work at. You follow it or you get fired most likely. Thank you, Jesus. So I, so I was telling about uh, this girl, Naomi Osaka. The Lord said, Man, my son, you are a priest. And I want to tell you to tell this to the church that the priests have authority on earth. To influence change. Whether it's sports, whether it's culture, whether it's market. Our prayers carry weight. Our intercession carry weight. We standing in the gap carry weight in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. But you have to transition out of the old wineskin... Of a, like I said, of a faulty consciousness. The Old Testament priesthood, even though they had the office of priest, their conscience was still so sin-oriented. I mean, sin-oriented meaning they were still not perfect in their heart toward God. They felt dirty. They felt filthy. They were, there was no separation between them and their flesh. 
they just felt not right with God. So, but in the new covenant, through the blood of the Lamb, offered through the eternal Spirit of God, there is power available to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the power is where? In the blood. Everybody say there is power in the blood. The power in the blood, the blood of Jesus. It carries a great power in the cosmic realm to eventually transform your conscience from a faulty one to one that is in right standing with God. But you had to hang on though. Don't, don't quit the race. The power is available. It's like a ripple, wave ripple happening. It'll keep coming, hitting, 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 removing the blockages in your mind. So we have to transition out of a slave or a servant mentality to a son or a daughter mentality to operate, out, to operate in the new covenant consciousness. See how this refining process, this is how it happens. God is the author and finisher of my faith. Everybody say that. God is the author and finisher of my faith. This, this work of unification, union with the oneness of God is done by God. You have to just, sub, sub, uh, it's like sitting in the, on the seat in the barbershop or salon. You just got to sit, the rest God will do. He says, he, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. He's talking about the process of the transformation of your inner man. This is what God does. He will refine you like gold and silver. You know why? To transform your inner man so that you can become more congruent with the divine identity you have. You're coming more and more closer in alignment with who you really are. But it's a process that God does through refining and purifying. Once you transition, it says you will present offering to the Lord. How? In righteousness. And I want to talk to you about the process itself. Look at this. In Isaiah 48, verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, not with silver, but I have chosen you, or refined you where? In the furnace of affliction. The process of unification with God happens in the furnace called affliction. Anybody who wants to become one with God will have to enter through what? The great affliction. You'll go through a lot of fire. <laughs> You'll go through a lot of problems and crushing kind of issues in life. You might think, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make, this, make it. I don't know if I'm going to cross over. I've been through some fire, my friends, and I'm sure you guys have too. I didn't know if I would see the next day, seriously. It was so crushing and painful, I cried out to God. But that's how I am where I am today. It was never an easy process. Very painful. In the furnace of what? Affliction. Jesus. Acts 14, 22, Apostle says, They strengthen the believers. They encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that. Through many tribulations, we shall enter where? The kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is not just a heaven after death. Talking about the kingdom of heaven mindset. Your union with God right here. But you can only enter into that face after going through what? Many tribulations. Many, many tribulations. 
So it's in the furnace of affliction that you are molded, you are crushed, then you are reformed. Yeah, the Lord showed me a vision of, you know, this uh, blenders. He said, uh, this was years ago. He said, my son, I'm just going to give you an advance notice. You're going to go through a blender-like experience. You know, how fruits and all, when you put it in there, they pulverize it, they crush it. He said, I'm going to put you in a blender-like situation. I'm just going to give you an advance warning, he said. Uh, advance notice, not warning. I didn't have no clue what was going to come. Until a few weeks later, I saw it. Oh, my goodness. Whew. I didn't know how I made it out. But you know what? The, those afflictions worked out a greater glory out of my life. Jesus. None of your afflictions should be wasted. You should use it to transform you into greater glory. Hallelujah. So the order of Melchizedek, that's our main topic. How are we going to function in that order today? And what it is, uh, first of all, let's look at that. Exodus 19 verse 6 says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This was the purpose of God from the very beginning. That a kingdom of priests operating on earth to execute divine purpose, divine justice, divine will on earth. And Revelation 5 verse 10 says, You have made us unto our God, kings and priests. And we will do what? We shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. So the purpose is that we reign, we rule on this earth. Catching the bull by the horns. That's what I want you to picturize. No more running when you see the bull, but you're going to catch it by the horn and turn it, twist it wherever you want to. That kind of power operating in you. So the word Melchizedek, Hebrew word, comes from two words. Uh, Melech means king, or Melka means king, and Zedek means righteousness. If you join it together, king of righteousness. Melchizedek is king of righteousness. And also the Bible says he was a king of a city called Salem. Salem comes from the word Shalom. Or Shalom means what? Peace. So not only was he a king of righteousness, but he was ruling over a city called Peace. Today the word Jerusalem, the city of peace. Spiritual meanings here. So Melchizedek started a new order, or God started a new order of priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. This is an order that operates not out of some biological uh, priesthood mark. Let's look at the next word it says. Look at this, yeah. This Hebrews 7, it says, This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement, or meaning not because of a biological birth, okay? How do then people come into the order of Melchizedek? It says, but by the power of an indestructible life. It's a different application on how you become a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It's not by your nation of origin. It's not by your biological descent. It's not by your financial background. 
the way you are drafted into the order of Melchizedek is by the power of an indestructible life, a resurrection power itself hitting you and ordaining you to become a priest, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I didn't have this concept, I didn't know fully about this concept until I went to Israel a few years ago. God had told me I'm going to do some things on you while you are at Israel. And I almost missed this service, okay? So the second day, I slept in a little bit in the hotel. And I woke up, it was like, my Lord, the bus had left, the tour bus with all the people. And I'm sitting here. So, but the tendency was this first. Oh, I'm in a nice, almost like a five-star hotel. I'm like, I'm going to take it easy today. I just flew in last night. I'm not going to go to the meeting. The meeting was at the Chuck Pierce's Worship Center in Israel. They all left already. But I was like, you know what, this half day I'm going to take it easy. But then the Lord said, mm -mm, no, take a shower, get, find a cab immediately. So I took a shower, I <laughs> dressed up, and I went up downstairs. And um, thank God there was a cab, and like an Arab guy sitting there. And I asked him, how much would it cost? He said, mm, yeah, no problem, I'll give you a discount, blah, blah, blah. He dropped me off right at the nick of the time, right at, uh, you know, opportune time, I would say. The main worship was over in the, in the glory of Zion Center in Israel. As I was climbing the stairs, I could hear the worship coming to a close. And the words coming out eventually called the Order of Melchizedek. As I walked in, <laughs> it's funny, because I would have missed this. Because God, one of the reasons God sent me was to get ordained under the Order of Melchizedek. Even though he can do it in the heavenlies. But he needed a prophet to lay hands on me. I didn't have no clue this was going to happen. I walked, I walked in, and Jonathan Hamill, how, how many of you heard about Jonathan Hamill? He's a prophet. And he uh, was praying, but he then walks up to me, and then he lays hands on me. I kneel down, and he says, I ordain you after the order of Melchizedek. And so that was a spirit, just an amazing download of the spirit come upon me. And I, I realized I'd miss my ordination there for this. How, how peculiar, right? How amazing God, God works. The enemy wanted me to sleep in, get a good massage at the hotel or something, get a good dinner and keep cruising. The Lord said, no, get up and run. Right time. Just like Saul who went after the donkeys, get oh God ordained. Similarly, he ordained. Uh, even, like I said, usually through the mouth of the prophets, the word of God is established. You need the prophetic to go and do that for him. So I realized that there is something greater that God is shifting me to, and not only shifting me, the church to. He wants us to be under the order of Melchizedek. This is not by bodily descent, not by biological birth, but the power of an indestructible life. A priest that operates in divine consciousness. I'm operating with no sin consciousness right now. I'm operating in my divine identity. I know I am God's and He's mine. I operate and walk in the Spirit. And so there's this level of confidence when I'm ministering to you. The veil is removed. And again, like I said, it is not my doing. It is the doing of God. Hallelujah. And Psalm 110 verse 4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This, these words were proclaimed to me. And I'm sure it's going, I'm going to proclaim this to all of you today. Because the first person who inaugurated this was who? Jesus Christ. 
And the traditional church has kept this, this uh, mantle to Jesus alone. That is not the case. The Lord wants to bestow it upon every man and woman who is after his order. A new priestly order who will influence societies and nations after the order of Melchizedek. You and I are kings of righteousness now. Operating under the great king, Jesus Christ. I am a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Come on, everybody say, if you're confident, I'm a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So Melchizedek is king of righteousness. A king that operates with a righteous heart, with a righteous or a, with a right standing confidence in God. That's, that's the order of Melchizedek. They don't need biological descent or ancestry uh, DNA's report that they were a Jew or a, they were born out of the tribal. They don't need any of that validation. They were born out of the power of an indestructible life and they know that they know that they are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. A confidence that stems from the power of God, not by biological descent. Hallelujah. This priesthood, the priesthood of Melchizedek, is not conferred by an earthly authority. So if you are going to look for some uh, assemblies of God or Baptist association to ordain you, this is, they can't do this for you. This is conferred by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, a lot of people are running around looking for Southern Baptists, uh, Southern Baptists, whoever to ordain them, assemblies of God to ordain them. They I don't know the names of all these governing bodies. You missed it if that's what your goal is. I would rather be attested and approved by God than any earthly body. Hallelujah. I would rather move in signs, wonders, miracles, lifting up the poor and needy out of dust than getting some certificates from some useless earthly bodies. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. All these uh, man-made organization with all these letters and writings. Whew. You want to study masters in theology? Kill yourself, I'm telling you. Oh, my Lord. They will burden you with their junk. Study this and study that. But no Holy Spirit. Jesus. And that's what they call, some of them I've heard the call, seminaries a cemetery. And you are, pretty much you're going there to bury yourself. If you want to be spiritual, may, be assured that you'll be dead before you graduate. Now you can have a bunch of head knowledge, but you're no good for your fellow men from a spirit perspective. Nobody will be healed. No one will be delivered. You can teach them a bunch of intellectual junk. That's what Apostle Paul said. I do not bring the big brick list of my genealogy. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a scholar, blah, blah, blah. But I count it all as loss. I operate now in the power of an indestructible life in the, by the power of the Holy Ghost. The blind can see. The demons flee. Sick are healed. That's the evidence of my ministry now. 
I make a difference. So we have to rise out of the limitations of our earthly genealogies to operate as a heavenly priest. One of the biggest challenges for a person to come to this new mindset is not learning anything new, but to shed off the old. Oh man, it's not easy. This is what Jesus said. You can mix the new wine into the old wineskin. The new wine has to be poured where? Into new wineskins. Unfortunately, a lot of people are mixing. There's still the old wineskin a little bit that's left in them. They're trying to put it all in, holding on to the old. But what happens? It'll burst. You ain't going to sustain. You're going to collapse. You're going to be a misery in the kingdom. So unlearning or shedding off what you already learned is the biggest challenge. <laughs> this is new wine, my friends. You can bring what you learned from your old commentaries into this new mindset now. You got to be a new wineskin, ready to receive radically new revelation if you want to advance and be awakened to your full potential. Hallelujah. So the order of Melchizedek completely operates out of their foundation in Christ. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is the declaration of a priest after the order of Melchizedek. They are completely dependent on Jesus. Completely, fully. I'm not depending on the message or the notes I prepared. I'm telling you honestly. I'm just preaching right now from the river. I cannot depend. If I depend on what I prepared, yes, I can do a basic outline, but then I have to trust in God and in His power to operate through me. And when I fully release it like that, He's going to touch you. And He's going to touch me. For in Him, I live and move and have my being. Without Him, I'm nothing. Abide in me so that you can bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, what happens? You cannot bear anything. There's no fruit bearing. It's so vital that we abide in that mentality. Abide into our source. So only awakened people can get into the order of Melchizedek. So everybody born again, Christians baptized, you started the awakening process, but you have not fully reached there yet, many of you. Once you are fully awakened to your divine self, with all sin consciousness removed from you, then you're going to effectively operate as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. As I said, that process is done where? In the furnace of? Affliction. <laughs> Furnace of affliction. Anything, God can use any affliction. There is no categories for that affliction. It can be anything that you're going through, whether it's employment, health-wise, in the marriage, uh, in the house with the kids, in the community, doesn't matter. He can use it all to transform you, to get you closer to that new order 
of priests who will operate out of a divine consciousness. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. He's talking about the sleeping church in general. Awake out of your slumber. Christ is ready to give you the light, to enlighten you to who you really are. Galatians 3, 27-28 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In the new covenant, in the new wine, a woman also can come preach here, guys. Man can, if whatever male can do, women also can do. There is no discrimination in the new covenant because we all are operating out of one spirit now, the spirit of God. All this divisions and walls now are crumbled through the new order of Melchizedek. Back then, in the old covenant, everything was done through these classifications. There's male, there's female, there's Jew, Gentile, black, white, segregation, this, that. But in the new covenant, all walls are gone. There's only one race, there's only one order, and that is the order of Jesus Christ. There's no other divisions there. So whether you're white or black, if you belong to Christ, you are also in the order of Melchizedek. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So we looked at last week uh, trading concepts. I said we got to start early. We got to learn. I know it's tough for all of us to start early. But one of the key concepts of trading is that you command your day early before the enemy wrecks a havoc or programs it into the rest of the day. We have to uh, rise early, unless, like I said, you're working night shifts or uh, you are pregnant or deliver, just delivered a baby, I understand. But otherwise, try to rise early, set the stage. You are fighting a great battle here. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but the battle in the cosmic realm is intense. The battle is to keep you asleep. The battle is to keep you ineffective. The battle is to keep you from coming into the awareness that you are divine. The battle is to keep you under and suppressed so that you will never walk as a king and priest on earth. You can walk as the average person. But the minute you rise up to your kingly inheritance, you're going to command some things into the atmosphere. You're going to intercede for certain things and it's going to happen. And they don't want you to know this. Hallelujah. So rising in the prayer times. As I told earlier, we all like to lose weight or get into shape. But if you don't have set times to exercise, it's never going to happen. Prayer time, same thing. I know we, we heard the same prayer all times. That's good. But have some times to pray too. Dan, we looked at last week, Daniel praying three times a day as he used to do always, the Bible says. There were some set times. Why? Because we have to get into the gates during certain times and pray. We have to pour out our heart before God. If you don't know what, sometimes you know our mind goes blank on us. No, no problem. Just sit there and pour out your heart to God. That's it. Pour out your heart to God. Then we looked at tithe. Tithe being the absolute foundation 
And on top of that, you bring your offerings. I know I was actually in the school of, or the group where, who rejected tithes years ago. I used to say, it's a new covenant. We don't need tithe, blah, blah, blah. Listen, tithe is not necessary for your salvation, okay? But tithe is necessary for me to reign and rule in this life. That's all. If you want an upper hand in this life, you got to follow this protocol. Sacrificially bring the 10% of your income to the storehouse. Don't worry about what, it, what is being done here. That they are accountable to God, the leadership. But you bring your, store, uh, your tithes to the storehouse. Sacri it's a sacrificial thing, I know. That 10% I could have, put, I could have uh, bought some clothes or I could have bought some furniture. But I decided to invest in the kingdom of God. Sacrificial tithe is very important protocol in the trading floors. Because the Bible says when you bring the tithes, I will rebuke the devourer. I will ensure the fruit don't fall from the land before it's time. But not only that, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. I believe in that kind. As Ian was saying earlier, I believe in that uh, assurance of God. I believe in it. So for years, I wouldn't tithe. Uh, back, 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 I don't know, it was like five years ago maybe. Because I thought it's new covenant, I have liber you know, liberty. But I was getting oppressed and harassed in all, all sides. So because I was holding on to this New Testament liberty like the liberals would do. And didn't have a clue what the heck was going on. Until the Lord introduced me back to the concept of trading and trading righteously. Bringing what belongs to God to his house. Now, like I said, if you are floating in the air, not living in the earth, you don't need to bring your tithes. Since you are in this realm of earth and you have a daily battle, you do what you need to do on the trading floor of God. Bring it. And then your offerings. Very important. You know, there were years when my prayers weren't working because I had, you know, see, like I said, depends on where you're coming from. We coming from India, India and African continents and all these places are seats of witchcraft. They do a lot of stuff against you. So recently, even in prayer times, the Lord revealed even witchcraft is being exported from Mexico into the United States. Meaning, see, the problem is the nations that do not have a covenant with God or who are not coming to awareness of God, they've been worshiping devil for years. And recently what's happening in this nation, the chaos and stuff, it is not something ordinary. What has happened is witchcraft, spells and curses has been released against Donald Trump, against the nation, against the people. Now I had more targeted enemy, meaning I had enemies targeting me directly. People who were jealous of my father or my grandfather and just say, you know, they would release spells to completely destroy us. Now, I'm a good Christian, but I'm walking around oppressed and harassed. Didn't have any clue how to fight this back until the trading floors concept came in. I started to send in back to, I went into my godly altar just as they would go into the devilish altars and I would trade with God. I would say, Lord, Here's my offering to return all these back to the senders. 
Have you seen, I mean, USPS mail comes in? If this doesn't belong to you, you write a note here, you say what? Return to sender and you put it in the mailbox. The Lord told me, this is not something I'm telling you in the flesh. The Lord told me the spirit, return it back to the sender. Jesus, in less than a year, 80% of the witches who were fighting me were dead. I'm not even joking. I'm not joking here. They were wiped out from the face of the earth. So we've been too politically correct. You know, we've been praying for everybody. Listen, pray for enemies is, is a different concept. When Jesus said pray for enemies, not pray for the witches that are against you. In fact, the Bible says you shall not suffer a witch to live. So I would say, Lord, in the name of the Lord, return a double portion of their violence upon their own head. If they repent, spare them, but otherwise slay them, I said. That's what I said. And within less than a year, I saw my life changing so rapidly. The daily battle started to cease. I know these concepts are new to many of you. But I'm telling you, if you want these devilish birds flying over, if you want to stop them flying over your head, you got to be in the offensive. You got to release some declarations. I, uh, the Lord revealed to me once, the camp of the witches, they are saying, one of my prophetic friends said, brother, they are in such a hot environment that they can't even stand. They're so confused. They don't know what to do against you anymore. We had to finish them. When I say people, the spirits especially behind it has to be cut off. Some of these people are going to repent, no doubt. Some of these witches will repent and that's our ultimate goal. But some of them are not. And you're not going to take, use your flesh and blood to fight them. You're going to be in the spirit realm and you're going to bind and lose certain things. Because that is so important for not only you, for societies and communities to move forward. Most of the community societies cannot move forward because they are under witchcraft spells. They are under demonic bindings. Jesus said it this way, I came so that I can destroy the works or the bindings of the devil. Bindings are, you know, they have their own spells. You had, if you have any, if you, I don't want you to meddle with this because, like I said, if you go to Google, you can see a lot of their satanic spells and this. They will declare some things. And then they, once it's released upon the air, if you are not doing godly trading, it falls upon your head. I'll tell you that. This is why Jesus said either be hot or cold. You cannot be lukewarm in the kingdom. Because if you're not actively trading in godly floor, whatever they are sending will rest upon your head. And you are a terrible Christian after that. Man, as a terrible, miserable Christian. You love God, but you just can't do nothing. Harassed after harassed. So I was, um, I don't know if you heard about this, President Trump was a target of witchcraft. They were trying to, witches all around America and I think even from Mexico, they were trying to send arrows against him. But see, the thing is this, Trump is a man of God sealed by God. Guess where all the arrows went to? His administration. <laughs> Within the first year, how many, how many fell off? The arrows that were uh, aimed at him went against his associates. You saw like what, 80% dropout? That is, that is actually targeted against him, but hit who? His people around him. But God has put such a shield on this man. 
Otherwise, you, I'm telling you, he wouldn't be able to stand this. That was how a campaign that was set against him. In the book of Isaiah, it says, I will find a substitute to take your place, meaning all these arrows and curses to kill you will come upon someone who is not serving God. Unfortunate, but that's how it is. If you are actively trading in the floors of God, God will find a substitute to divert those curses back to them. Hallelujah. Then we looked at group trading. We did that, uh, Ira and I, just uh, early in the mor earlier this morning. We did a group trading. We said, we're going to blow the shofar. You're going to praise God. I'm telling you, my friends, you're going to see the results this week, some of you. That group worship going up to God has an impact in the heavenlies, and you're going to see the results, the manifestation in the earthly. Hallelujah. See, we might look like fools to some people, but we know better what we are doing here. Then worship in spirit. That are some of the trading concepts. So now I want to get into the duties of priests in the new order. So as many of us sitting here, we are wondering, Lord, yes, how can I be of service to God? How, what can I do? Now, we, we know most of us are in the order of Melchizedek. We are in the order of Christ. We are kings of righteousness. But there are duties involved that priests that need priests to do. And we're going to look at that. In the Old Testament, the majority of priestly duties were around sacrifices and offerings. So the average believer would come to the tent, they'll bring an animal, they'll bring their petition, and then they will tell the priest to do this for them. The priest will send the prayer up, cut the animal, and send the petitions up. So what about us now, the priest after the new order? As I mentioned earlier, we are now authorized by heaven to carry our priestly duties. You know, I don't just come up here, to be honest with you, to just say something. When God tells me to come up here, I come so that it can be a blessing to you. I'm not just coming up just because I want to say something. That's not the case at all. Because God says I have to issue certain things out so that it can be a blessing to the people. Or glory to God. So the priests are representatives of God and his service or the priest service is to act as a servant and builder of an awakened civilization. So the main and fundamental goal of a priest is to bring the whole humanity to an awakening. That's our final goal. Transformation. The one word if you get transformation of societies and nations to what? To their awakening. To be, we need to aim toward them being awakened to who they are truly. So Hindus, don't need to worship your false gods anymore. You belong to the true God. Repent, be baptized into Christ, and start godly trading. You are an expression of God, and God is wanting to do some things on the earth through you. Muslims, you don't have to bow down before the false god anymore. Come and trade in the godly altars of Jesus Christ. That's a call. Repent of the old stuff. Don't worry. It's under the blood. Start godly altars. We bring all nations together like that from coast to coast and start godly trading. And then man all over the world will start to fulfill the divine mandate to reign and rule and to execute divine purpose on earth. And truly, then the kingdom of heaven. If you remember the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth will be starting to fulfill. God's mandate will start to fulfill. So our goal as priests is to build an awakened civilization. We are about kingdom building. A kingdom of priests who are fully awakened to their divine identity and righteousness in Christ. We are then operating as vessels, mouthpieces of God. Releasing divine decrees and declarations wherever we go. So our assignment, you don't need to be worried about what my assignment is. Listen, our assignment is, one of the key things about our assignment is, we, as movers and shakers today, we will go into cities, city gates and crossroads, and we will execute divine will there. How do we do that? We will do heavenly worship. We will do godly trading in places and in crossroads and city gates where there has been darkness. We have to proactively step out. Now, you don't have to do it individually. If God has given you a vision for your place where you live in, where do you live, Miss Mary? North Memphis. And she says, you know, I think we need to bring in the kingdom floors into North Memphis. You come see the elders here. We're going to have the worship team, and we're going to have all of us go there on a particular strategic day and raise godly worship in that place. You got to open up a portal for God to, for the light to fall. And so we just then map out the United States map. We look at zip codes, cities, maps, and then form a strategic plan. For 2019, here's how we are going to invade the United States. You might not be able to do it all in one year. But here's an assignment for kingdom, of kingdom people. We don't need to be sitting here thinking, when am I going to preach in the pulpit? We need to come out as teams and see how can we possess the nations for God. Coming together as groups, strategically planning, worship leaders, prophets, apostles, evangelists coming together and releasing kingdom sound, kingdom light to places which has been under bondage. But we have to now, like I said, we have to plan strategically. In FedEx, I work at FedEx, we do market expansion. We look at zip codes, territories where we have not gotten into yet. Then we send our salespeople, we send our infrastructure, we send our money to start something there. Now kingdom, this is where we are going. People of kingdom mind is going to do this in the coming years. Because the revival that God has prophesied will only happen like this. We have to be so strategically planning on how we will invade nations for Christ. And we got to do it systematically. Through prophetic guidance. Hallelujah. So you are, you don't have to sit unemployed for the kingdom. Ask God, Lord, show me what is wrong in the society I live in. What can I do here? Then you come and talk to the church people. Let's get the worship team together. Let's get other prophets, evangelists together. Let's plan a day and go. You might think, oh, nothing major happened. Don't worry. The seed that you sow is going to return with a great harvest. This is how revival breaks out in many cities and many nations. But if you don't do nothing, everything will be in a dream stage. Yeah, I have this idea. See, world is full of ideas, but you don't see many products out there. Very few people carry it through to execution. 
Just because if you have an idea, doesn't mean the product will manifest. <laughs> A lot of people have ideas, but the billionaires and millionaires of the world are those who've taken their ideas, put the sweat equity, and seen it through manifestation. We have to think like that for the kingdom. We have always uh, have thought in the past, how is that going to happen? Are anybody going to be saved? We got to make our first step forward. We have to. Uh, but we got to do as a team. What has happened is the kingdom isolation, where people are not given enough support. If you have a great idea, if you have a great plan from God, come on, bring it forward. Let's work it out. Don't try to do it alone. You'll be discouraged. You can't, you can't battle this alone. You need a team to help you get through this. So uh, the next duty, so first duty is an assignment. The next duty is appropriating. As a priest, we appropriate something in the earthly realm to get our things done. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day. Offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away a sin consciousness. Okay? See, the priest including is still sin conscious because there's not enough power involved in doing an animal sacrifice. It was just a shadow or a type. The power is in the blood to get you out of sin consciousness to a consciousness, a mindset of righteousness. There's only power in the blood of Christ for that. That's why it says, when Christ had offered for all times a single sacrifice... And he sat down at the right hand of God. And then he goes on to say, until he makes his enemies a footstool. So we, the New Testament priests, we still need sacrifice. But we are administering what? The eternal sacrifice of Christ. I'm not taking a fresh animal and cutting it right now. I don't need to do it anymore. That's why when I pray, I say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm declaring to the heavenly something. An eternal sacrifice has been made. And I am coming against you on account of that right now. You cannot touch Matt Koss anymore. He's under the blood of the Lamb. Devil, you've touched him. Take your hand off him. An eternal sacrifice had been already done. And I'm going to use that case and I'm going to plead my case. So I'm ad I am administering as a priest using the eternal sacrifice. But you need that though. You can't just go and fight with the enemy without pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. You got to have something in your hand as a priest. The Old Testament priest had a fresh animal cut and then he would do his warfare. But now we do the warfare through the eternal sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why the name of Jesus is so powerful. And when these people say, you can pray, but don't use the name of Jesus, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Prayer without the name of Jesus is useless. You are a priest administering out of nothing then. You can't fight the devil without using the name of Jesus. Because that is the account through which I administer as a priest. It's his sacrifice that gives me credibility and power in the heavenly realms. The demons shriek and tremble at the name of who? Jesus. Eternal sacrifice made once and for all and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father to see who will use his name and power 
to bring kingdom justice on earth. Jesus.